Welcome to 721 Live. I'm Sam Hunter. I'm glad that you're with us today. Thank you for joining us. We've got a great topic today. We are going to ask and answer the question, what if God did answer my prayer request as I asked them? Is that always, would that always be a good thing? Or might perhaps there be some wisdom from our Heavenly Father in not granting our prayer request? So that's our topic today. We're going to jump into it in just a moment. Let me first remind you that 721 Live is the radio arm of 721 Ministries. It's a men's ministry here in the upstate of Greenville and across the state of South Carolina. And you can go to our website, 721ministries.org, 721ministries.org. And you can see lots of things on that website, past radio shows, Vimeo videos, uh, posters, downloads. You could also hit the link or go directly to our sister website, puttinggreenblog.com, puttinggreenblog.com. And on that, you can sign up for our weekly devotional blog, which we call The Putting Green, and that's free, of course. And we have our books, and we have a new book out, and I'm really excited about this book. And if I say it's the best I've done I'm not patting myself on the back or saying that I'm great or anything like that. I don't mean it that way. I was actually reading this morning the first, the introduction and the first couple of chapters. And when you read your own stuff, let me just tell you, you, you read it with this, this sense of, oh, my gosh, am I going to come across something really stupid or really bad? Or is this not going to make any sense? You know, I mean, you've edited it. You wrote it. You edited it five times. But nevertheless, you pull it out and just start reading it. And I don't mean this in any patent Sam on, on the back way. I mean this sincerely. It's really good. And I, I kind of sat there and I, I, I you know, praised the Holy Spirit for giving me the words and, and, and moving with me as I wrote it. And, and I thought, I, you know, did I really sit down and write that? Because that's really good. So I encourage you to go to that web. We are on Amazon. We have it on the Kindle. It's called Deep Calling Deep. We follow John as he follows Jesus through the Gospel of John. Now, it's not the entire Gospel of John. It's just the encounters. And what can we learn? And what can we, how, how, how would we experience sitting next to Jesus when his mother walks over and says, would they have no more wine? What was that little interchange about? Because there's more there than meets the eye. Or when the up and in Nicodemus comes at night and we sit around the campfire with Jesus and listen to that back and forth or or the down and out Samaritan woman at the well in midday I, you know in the book I have John John he hung back from the other disciples as they went into the village and as his older brother James said just stay back here and don't make a nuisance of yourself don't let Jesus see you just be close by to make sure everything's okay while we go into the village and then he observes the Samaritan woman and that whole interchange. And then, the, for instance, the, the lame man, the man who's been lame for 38 years, and Jesus leans down and says, uh, do you want to get well? Well, of course, someone who's been lame 38 years wants to get well. Why would Jesus ask the question? Remember, and we say this throughout the book, Jesus has ne- never asked a question looking for information. He's looking for your heart to examine your own information and your own heart, and so maybe perhaps the man didn't really want to get well. So, Check that out. Deep Calling Deep, puttinggreenblog.com, puttinggreenblog.com, or go to Amazon, or, and we, as I said, we have the Kindle version. I know you'll enjoy it. I think it'll be really helpful, and you'll love it, and you'll laugh with it, and you'll learn. Okay, so these last three weeks, we've had a little mini-series within this long series that we've been doing 
for the past several weeks on prayer. And we, this little mini-series is really under the topic of the idea of asking. And so the first week we said, can I pray for my own good? Can I ask for my own good in my prayers? And, of course, the answer is yes, you can. Watch your heart. But yes, absolutely. Well, then the next question is, well, can I wear God down to get what I want? And that was last week's show. <clears throat> and we looked at the parable of the friend that shows up at midnight with apparently knocking on the door until the friend inside gets up. We debunked that and taught how it, what the message really is from Jesus, which is you don't have to do that because your Heavenly Father loves you and he's always going to respond. And then we looked at the unjust judge in Luke 18, which is would on the surface seem clearly telling us to wear God down like the widow wore, Jesus, wore the unjust judge down. But that's the exact opposite. And so we concluded with this idea of going to our Heavenly Father or going to Jesus over and over and over, not to wear him down, but we're in relationship with him. If you want to go to your Heavenly Father a thousand times on the same topic, feel free to. He's your Heavenly Father. Open, share your heart with him. My point and Jesus' point was you don't have to do that to get his attention or to keep his attention. Feel free to, but don't have any anxiety that you must keep doing it to keep him involved because that was the exact opposite. So we concluded with this, that I pray and I keep asking without losing heart, which is what Jesus said, do not lose heart, not to change God's heart or his mind, but during that process, more often than not, my heart has changed and my mind has changed. And these two parables really were more about how much more will your loving Heavenly Father do good things for you and how quickly will he respond and therefore trust him. Trust him. That's what Jesus wants from us is for us to trust him. And imagine how much joy, how much more joy, how much more peace, love, joy, peace, patience you'll have in your life and in your heart if you more and more release and trust him. Now, there is one other aspect to trust, and I pointed this out because at the end of the parable of the unjust judge and the widow, and you want to go back and read that, Luke 18, 1 through 8, in verse 8, Jesus says, however, however. And when Jesus says, however, it's clear, and if anybody says, however, if my wife, I, was, I joked about this with my wife, Dina, telling her about the lessons, and I said, you know, if you and I are, if you're with me at a speaking engagement and we get in the car afterwards and you say, that was really good, Sam. You made this point. You made that point. And that particular way you handled it, that was really good. However, well, then everything she said beforehand means nothing compared to what's coming next, right? So in, in that sense, what Jesus is saying is, I just told you this story, a ludicrous story, if you, it, it, not comparing to God, but contrasting how much more a loving Heavenly Father will respond and respond quickly However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith? Will he find trust on this earth? In other words, that's what I'm looking for is do you trust me? Well, there's another passage about trust, and it comes from the Holy Spirit through Paul in 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18. Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. As Jesus said in the parable about the unjust judge, he told them this parable so that they would continue to pray and not lose heart. Paul says we do not lose heart. 
For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. That's 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us. The Greek word there is earning. Earning for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So, we've, so we fix our eyes not on what we can see, but on what we cannot see, what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, what is unseen is eternal. Not to go off on a rabbit trail on this, just to mention it as we did last week at the conclusion of the show. There, are, there's a, there is a reward system in eternity. And it's going to be based on your trust. And right here, the Holy Spirit tells us, for our light and momentary troubles, how we respond in trust, because we do not lose heart, are earning for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So today's question is really two questions. If, If we did wear God down and we got what we wanted, might that turn out to not be such a good thing? And based on all of the things we've talked about, let's conclude today with within what would be the ultimate prayer request. What would be the ultimate prayer request? Well, before we get to that, we asked, can I pray for my own good? Yes. Can I wear God down? No. And you don't want to serve a God like that. And you don't, you don't want a God that would say, you know, I hadn't thought about it the way Sam's presenting it now. He's, he's pretty smart about this. And I, you know, he's, I'm going to take his advice. You know, I don't want to serve a God like that. I don't want him taking my advice. But if he did, and, and in my life, he has stepped aside and said, okay, have it your way, Sam. Because I kept coming to him, and I kept coming to him, and I did not change my heart and my mind. And so he stepped aside and said, fine, you can have it your way, Sam, and let's see how that works out for you. Because I've been trying to show you that this is not the solution to your situation, but you haven't listened. So I'm going to let you have your way, and let's see how that goes. Well, we have two examples in the Old Testament, and we have many examples, of course, but we've got Saul, Israel, getting their first king, and we started in 1 Samuel chapter 8, and I'm not going to read it all, but what happens is the people refuse to listen to Samuel. Samuel tells them, you know, you wanted a king, you're asking for a king. He went to God, and God said, you know, they're not rejecting you, Samuel, they're rejecting me. And God said, tell them that if you do get a king— He's going to conscript your sons into the military service. He's going to take your daughters. They're going to have to go to work for him. He's going to take a tenth of everything you own. He's going to take your land and your field and your fig trees, and and he's going to give them to his friends. He's going to take your servants and the best of your cattle and donkeys, and he'll do all these things. And so when that day comes and you cry out for relief from the king that you have chosen, the Lord is not going to help you out in that situation. And then verse 19, this is 1 Samuel chapter 8, verse 19, but the people refused to listen to Samuel. No, they said, we want a king over us. Then we will be like all the other nations with a king to lead us and to go out before us and fight our battles. And when Samuel heard all that the people said, he repeated it before the Lord, and the Lord answered him, listen to them and give them a king. Give them what they're asking for. They've asked over and over I've told him it's not going to be good. Moses told him back in Deuteronomy what a king should do, that he won't do. Let them have their way. Now, let's just think for a minute. What kind of king was Saul, the first king of Israel? Well, he was a sorry king. Complete failure. What about Solomon? Well, if you actually read Solomon's story, he was a sorry king. A sorry king. He started out well, and then he completely fell off. Just read it. How about David, the ultimate king? 
Well, he was sometimes good and he was sometimes sorry. So the best we get, because it was all downhill after that, the best we get is sometimes good and sometimes sorry from getting what they wanted. God knew better. Let me be your king. I'll lead you into battle. Look what I've done so far for you. I've taken you through these battles. No, we want our way. And C.S. Lewis, in one of his all-time great, just wonderful observations, he says, in the end, there are only two kinds of people. Those who say to God, thy will be done, and those whom God ultimately says to them, okay, thy will be done. Have you ever lived that? Have you ever had a situation in your life, you listening to me right now, where you wanted something so badly and you went to your Heavenly Father over and 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 he even gave you signs that that was not what was going to be best for you, but you insisted and you kept going. I have. And it was a disaster. When, I, when he finally relented and said, okay, you'll be, you'll be that second kind of person with whom I, to whom I say, okay, your will be done. The other Old Testament story, and I, we won't go through all this, but it's 2 Kings chapter 20. It's Hezekiah. Hezekiah finds out that he's dying. He pleads to the Lord that he not, you know, cure me. I don't want to die. And the Lord says, I'll give you 15 more years. And in that 15 years, Hezekiah screws it all up, to speak in the vernacular. He brings in, the, Babylon now is the ultimate world power, and Assyria has already taken away the northern kingdom. Babylon has come in and overthrown Assyria. And he invites the envoy from Babylon into the palace and shows them everything they have. And the Lord says, that's the dumbest thing you could have ever done. Now they know everything. And, and what's really interesting about this, this is, again, this is 2 Kings chapter 20, is when the Lord says, and some of your descendants, your own flesh and blood will be born to you, they will be taken away, and they will become eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon. He's just told them all these bad things are going to happen. And then he says, and some of your descendants, your own flesh and blood. You know what Hezekiah says in return? Verse 19, what the Lord, the word of the Lord you have spoken is good. For he thought, will there not be peace and security in my lifetime. So the Lord says, man, this thing, what you've done, it's just going to lead to all kind of trouble. It'll be your children that are going to suffer. And Hezekiah has become such a narcissistic, myopic, self, just self, self, self man that he says, well, at least it's not going to happen to me. It'll happen to my descendants. He then has his son Manasseh during that 15 years. He turns out to be one of the worst kings they ever had. Manasseh's son, Amon, he was just as bad that 15 years that Hezekiah got was nothing but a disaster. So let's always be careful. We don't want to get what we want. We don't want to keep hammering away until God finally says, you know, you're not listening. You're not seeing the signs. You're so stuck on what self wants. I'm going to give you what you're asking for. And have at it. And let's see how that goes. So, my friend, here we've, we've talked about these various aspects of asking. Can I ask for my own good? Yes. Watch your heart? Yes. Should I try to wear God down? down? Can I? No. And don't try. And what if you did get what you wanted? Well, let's then ask the question, how then do we pray? And what might be the ultimate prayer request? In my number one ultimate prayer request, my number one ultimate prayer request is this. 
whatever it takes. Whatever it takes for me or for them, whoever it is that I'm praying for, to either find Jesus or go deeper in my relationship with him. Whatever it takes. So if you come to me and you say, please pray that my daughter, my children, my child that's sick doesn't get any sick or gets, gets healed, or please, please pray that this divorce doesn't happen, or please, please pray that my, my business doesn't collapse, or whatever you ask me, I'll say, yes, I'll be happy to pray for that. I'll pray for that for you. You ask me, I'll pray for that. In my heart, at the end, I'm going to say, but whatever it takes. Whatever it takes for my friend to know Jesus, or if he already knows Jesus, whatever it takes for him to go deeper into the kingdom. Because I don't know what's best for him. The divorce might, even though God hates divorce, that might be what wakes him up and brings him into the kingdom. Or his wife. Or it may be what drives him deeper into the kingdom. I've seen this over and over. Where the calamity that actually happens ends up being a, a great thing when it comes to eternal values. As the Holy Spirit through Paul says, so we fix our eyes not on what is seen, not what's happening around us. Tony Evans said, if all you can see is what you see, then you're not seeing all there is to see. If all you can see is what there is to see, then you are not seeing everything there is to see. I don't know what the best thing for any outcome is, so my prayer for myself, whatever it takes, Father, now, I don't want it to take pain, but if it takes that to get me closer into the kingdom, to come deeper in my relationship, then have at it because I know that that's the best thing. That is the ultimate thing for anyone is to go deeper into the kingdom, to grow closer in their relationship through Jesus with their Heavenly Father. That's the ultimate. So that, to me, is the ultimate prayer request, whatever it takes. And Jesus gave us a model for that in Luke 22. Verse 31, he's telling Peter, he says this, Simon, Simon, Satan is asked to sift you as wheat. Now, is that a pleasant process, to be sifted as wheat? Clearly, that's going to involve some pain. And then Jesus says, but I have prayed for you, Simon. And in essence, what he says next is, whatever it takes, because you're lost as a goose and you're operating in Peter's power. So I'm praying, I'm not praying that Satan not be able to sift you like wheat. I'm praying whatever it takes to get you out of self and into the kingdom. Jesus does it. He models it for us right there in Luke 22, verse 31 and 32. Simon, Satan is asked to sift you like wheat, and I have prayed whatever it takes. So that when you do fail or do fall down in this situation, you'll turn back. You'll have the strength to strengthen your brothers. Paul, now you, we, I don't think we... We could find a more godly man in the entire New Testament story. He has a thorn, perhaps, and in all likelihood, you have a thorn. And he asked God to take it away three times. Probably more than three. That's a good round number to use. And God said, no, I'm not going to do it. And Paul then realizes that it would not have been a good thing because he would have then started operating in his own power because God said to him, my grace, my grace is sufficient for my power is made perfect in your weakness. So then Paul realizes, therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why for Christ's sake I delight in weaknesses and in insults and in hardships and persecutions and difficulties. For when I am weak in my own power and I'm strong in his power. Whatever it takes is what Paul is saying. So my number one ultimate prayer is whatever it takes. 
I love to add a two or three other ones underneath it, as just as Mary said when the angel came and told her she was going to, through the Holy Spirit, have Jesus, she said, do it your way. I love that prayer, just do it your way. Do it your way. I'm the Lord's servant, may it be to me as you have said, is what Mary said. And then in John 2, when Jesus comes and says they have no more wine, she looks at the servants and just says, do whatever he tells you to do. So, and of course, Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane says, not my will, do it your way. Do it, do, do it your way. So that's my next one. Then underneath that is I want to see. That's another, in this category of ultimate prayer requests, I want to see the blind man. In Luke 18, 41, Jesus says, what do you want from me? And he says, I want to see. I want to see. And my prayer so often with my Heavenly Father is, I want to see. I want to see what it is you want me to see. I want to have the eyes of my heart enlightened. I want to be able to see the kingdom amongst me. I want to be able to see you amongst me. It's like Elisha. Remember the story in 2 Kings chapter 6? Elisha's house is surrounded by the enemy, the king of Aram. And his servant gets up in the early morning, goes outside and sees this, and he comes rushing in saying, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And Elisha calmly says, don't be afraid. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha then prayed. He didn't pray, send the angels and chariots of fire to protect us. That's not what he prayed. He said, I want him to see. It kind of goes along with that, whatever it takes. I want him to see. I want her to see. Open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked and he saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Open his eyes, open my eyes, open their eyes, whatever it takes so that I can see. And then another one is I want to, I want to live with the Holy Spirit power. In Luke 11, at the end of the story of the parable of the friend that shows up at midnight, Jesus says, if you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? I want to be able to see. I want him to do it, do it his way. I want, to do, I want him to do whatever it takes. And I want to live with that Holy Spirit power. Mm. I want to share with you a, uh, something I came across recently. And if you want to Google it, you'll find it under Confederate Soldiers Prayer. Uh, Confederate Soldiers Prayer. I, I thought about just saying Civil War Soldiers Prayer, but you wouldn't be able to Google it and find it. So this is the prayer. We don't know who wrote it, but we know it was, it was on the Confederate side in the midst of the, of the war. I asked God for strength that I might achieve. I was made weak that I might learn humbly to obey. I asked God for health that I might do greater things. I was given infirmity that I might do better things. I asked for riches that I might be happy. I was given poverty that I might be wise. I asked for power that I might have the praise of men. I was given weakness that I might feel the need of God. I asked for all things that I might enjoy life. I was given life that I might enjoy all things. I got nothing that I asked for but everything I hoped for. Almost despite myself, my unspoken prayers were answered. I am among all men most richly blessed. And so, my favorite part of the end, the end of my prayer in any situation is, I'm going to thank you now before I see how you work this out because I know I'll be thanking you later. So let me conclude with a couple more thoughts 
Oswald Chambers, in his daily devotional, My Most for His Highest, talks about, and he's actually talking about it right in December, about not playing amateur providence, not trying to be God. And he says it takes a long time to realize the danger of being an amateur providence, that is, interfering with God's plans for others. True intercession involves bringing the person or the circumstance that seems to be crashing in on you before God until you are changed by his attitude toward that person or circumstance. What we must avoid in intercession is praying for someone to be simply patched up. We must pray that person completely through into contact with the very life of God, whatever it takes. See, I don't understand intercessory prayer, and I don't understand how what I might pray in my car, in my house, is going to affect any situation. But what I know are two things. I want to be a part of praying for my friend or my loved one. I want to be a part of it. I just want to be a part of it. Perhaps my heart will be changed as I'm a part of it. And then since I don't know what's best, I'm not going to play amateur providence. I'm going to say whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. I've gotten in the way of God. It was a, more than one situation. Well, I think I really learned my lesson after the first situation. So this was the, the one that opened my eyes to a, a friend of mine was in dire depression. His wife had divorced him. She'd taken his child. He was crying and bubbling and nose running. And, I, and he, I'd been trying to get him to talk to Jesus over the last few years, and he wasn't paying any attention. So I sat down with him, and I listened for a long, long time to his troubles and his heart and his crying. And finally, after a long, long time, I said, you know, the only way out of this is Jesus. He's the only one that can bring the comfort back into your life, the love, the joy, the peace, the patience. He said, I know, I know. I've been stiff-arming Jesus, but I don't want to stiff-arm him anymore. I'm ready. I'm ready. And as we talked, I felt so sorry for him. And I could see that he was really clinically depressed, so I mentioned that he should consider getting an antidepressant. Well, he did, and he felt better, and he forgot about God. I played amateur providence. So the last thing I want to do to finish up this, what I call semester on prayer is, is my desire has been for you to be comfortable and confident in your prayer life. Comfortable and confident. Hebrews 4.16, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. I want you to be comfortable and confident in approaching, in approaching your Heavenly Father. He loves you. It's a throne of grace, not a throne of performance. You don't have to worry about getting your words right. Just relax and have a conversational prayer life which is my last point. Dallas Willard puts it this way in his book, Hearing God. Then we begin to understand that God's whole purpose is to bring us to the point where he can walk with us quietly, calmly, and constantly. He can walk with us quietly, calmly, and constantly, leaving us space to grow to be his often fumbling collaborators, to have some distance from him and yet to be united with him because we are being conformed to the image of his son bearing the family resemblance. My friend, I want you to know Jesus. I want you to go deeper. Whatever it takes is the ultimate prayer request to bring someone into the kingdom or to go more and more deeply into the kingdom. I'm Sam Hunter, and this is 721 Live. So long. God's peace to you. I hope to see you next Friday.